0: You're listening to Oodles of Financial Advice with Jeremy Oodle. I mean, Udell. Jeremy is a certified financial planner. He's licensed in Florida to sell insurance. He has Series 7, 24, and 65 securities licenses. And he's here to give you Oodles of Financial Advice. Seminars have officially started. We had our first couple seminars of our season last week. They went really well. They happen at Fleming's in Sarasota. I hope many of you will come check us out at Fleming's. If you're interested in coming to see a workshop about how you can de-risk your retirement, feel free to reach out to us. Give us a call, 941-951-0443, or shoot me an email, jeremy, j-e-r-e-m-y, at wealthenjoyment.com. Those Workshops take place in Sarasota at Fleming's, usually Tuesdays and Thursday nights, sometimes Wednesdays. Give us a call to find out when you can come see me live talking about how you can de-risk your retirement. If your only goal with your investments was to make as much money as you possibly could, how many investments should you own? Your only goal, no other goals, if your only singular goal with your investments was to make as much money as you possibly could, how many investments should you own? Hello, my name is Jeremy Udell, and you're listening to Oodles of Financial Advice. Why am I asking this question? Because oftentimes, people find the answer surprising. But you have to pay real close attention here. There can't be any other goals involved. If you're saying, no, I want to have money long-term for retirement, or I'm hoping to save up for a house or an emergency fund, those are different goals. I am suggesting a singular goal, excluding all others to make as much as you possibly could. How many investments should you own? And the answer is one That's right, because if your only goal is to make as much money as you possibly can, you just want to have the best investment. Now, what's the problem with that? What's the best investment? Let's take a look at an example to see how this works. Let's assume somebody was a very aggressive investor and said, I only want to pick two really good stocks. Let's assume it was the beginning of 2021. And they said, I'm going to pick two stocks that seem to have really good opportunity for growth right now. Apple, because I believe they're a great technology company. They make a lot of money every year and they just seem to keep growing. And the other one, now that I'm at the beginning of 2021, that is in the news a lot and seems to be doing great, Moderna. And that's all you chose. You know what? In the calendar year, 2021, both of those stocks did really well. But Moderna blew Apple out of the water. Moderna was by far the best performing stock of the two. Now, if that investor had said to themselves, you know what? I'm an aggressive investor. I'm trying to make the most money I can. Why did I even pick two? I'm just going to pick the best one. And Moderna is clearly the best one. I'm going to put all of my money into Moderna going forward and sell out of Apple. Guess what happened in 2022? Moderna dropped like a stone, gave back pretty much all of its gains. If they'd have left the half in Apple and kept only half in Moderna, at least Apple wouldn't have had as much of a drop as Moderna has had. That's why you diversify because while some stocks may go up, others may go down, some will go up more, some will go up less, but over time, ideally, you have a portfolio that will increase over time. There'll be years where even your entire portfolio is down, there'll be years where it is flat, but over time, if you have a diversified portfolio of stocks, you should see some growth over time. If you buy any one investment, that is less likely. Sure, you may see exponential growth if you pick the right one. But all of this is to point out to you, we recommend at our firm a diversified portfolio of stocks for long-term growth. We have lots of investors who are aggressive, but we would never recommend putting all of their money into any one investment. But interestingly... Someone who is just trying to make the most money. And a lot of our investors come in and say, I just want to make a lot of money. Well, if you just want to make a lot of money, maybe you should just be going and putting all of your investable money into lottery tickets or into some wild new stock that's IPOing today. If that's all you care about, not having money later, but making the most money, having your best chance at winning the money game, put all of your money into one investment. It's not what I would recommend, but it is the right answer to, if you want to make the most money, how many investments should you have? In my first segment, I talked about how people diversify to reduce risk, not to increase return. However, diversifying can absolutely protect you from a major loss. I want to look at a case study because we had a client who had almost this very scenario. Not to say they had intentionally gotten themselves into this scenario, but luckily they'd had a stockbroker who recommended to them a high-growth tech stock. This was about 15, 20 years ago now. They were recommended to get into Cisco, Anyone remember Cisco? There was a time when Cisco was all the rage. Not the food company, mind you, the technology company. And this client had been recommended Cisco under a dollar. And they had put a significant amount in because their stockbroker said, this thing could really hit. This thing could really go. And he was right. Cisco took off. At one point, it grew to $50 a share. They had... 50 times the amount they had originally invested in Cisco. And their net worth had grown to over eight figures. Unfortunately, so much of their net worth was in Cisco that they were effectively 98% invested in one investment. It was a big risk. And we recommended that they sell at least half of their holdings. Yes, it was going to cause a big taxable gain for them, but the risk of losing so much money if Cisco turned around, we said, you should at least consider selling half of this and diversifying your money, diversifying away some of this risk. Well, their stockbroker heard this advice and said, it's worth $62 today, it's going to go to $100 and it'll split. At that point, maybe you should consider selling. We said he might be right about that. We don't know. Nobody knows the future, but no matter what, you're currently at risk. How about this? What if you went and bought a put option? Now, for those who don't know, stock options allow you to buy or sell stocks at a very specific price. A put option is the sell version of this, which says... You buy an option, the right, to sell some of the stock you own, usually that you own, not always. But in this case, we told him to buy a put option on Cisco for the right to sell it at $60 a share or even $50 a share. Something to protect him in case the stock started to drop. It wouldn't have cost him as much and there wouldn't have been a tax problem with it. It just would have been a protection. His stockbroker told him, don't do that. That's a waste of money. This thing's going to go up. It's only gone up. You'll just throw your money away. Just wait for it to hit 100. Most of you can probably see where this is going, whether you followed Cisco or not. At some point, the stock started to drop, never made it to 100, never split. And when it finally hit $13 a share... Our client came to us and said, is there anything I can do to get some of that value back? No. They still had a fairly significant net worth, by the way. They still were worth a good amount of money because $13 was still way more than they'd originally put into it. But they had set their lifestyle a lot higher than that, thinking that the money would just keep rolling in, thinking that that huge win they'd gotten would just continue to compound instead of diversifying away and taking some of those winnings off the table. And they are by no means the only story of that. We see people all the time who have most of their net worth in the business they run. And again, that's understandable. It's made them lots of money all the time, and and they're investing in themselves. But someone whose most of their net worth is in their own business is taking a risk that their industry... Won't go away, or that something won't happen to them, due to the health, or any number of other problems. Uh, you know, some sort of crime happens, or a lawsuit. You never know what's going to happen. Diversifying when you can is so important. Also, real estate investors. I'll never forget we met with a man who was worth around twenty million dollars in two thousand seven, late two thousand seven. And we told him, man, you have a lot of real estate. You should probably start diversifying into some other things, getting a little more liquid. He said, I don't know why I'd do that. Every time I put money in real estate, my net worth grows. After 2008, his net worth cratered. That happens sometimes. We try to target big investments to make the most money without really thinking about the longer-term focus of what does any of this money really mean to us? Diversification is very important, and if you don't take into account the risks involved with any one investment you might have, you could end up suffering huge losses in the future. If you'd like to talk about how you might be able to diversify your financial picture, feel free to give us a call, 941-951-0443, or shoot me an email, jeremy at wealthenjoyment.com. Thanksgiving is right around the corner, and it's my favorite holiday. This year, my wife and I get to host at our house. I'm very excited about that. My parents are coming in, and my sister... They'll be bringing their dogs with them. My sister has two amazing greyhounds right now, one of which is a foster, and my parents will be bringing their sweet little golden doodle with them. They'll be hanging out with my dogs that I have here. We'll also have my mother-in-law here. She lives real close to us, as does my brother-in-law and my niece. Should be the eight of us at Thanksgiving. I think it's going to be a great time, and I'll be making my sweet potato casserole. I love that I have a recipe that's my own that I make for Thanksgiving. My mother makes stuff. My mother-in-law makes stuff. My wife is fantastic in anything she makes. I make the sweet potato casserole. I do that because people have different ideas of what sweet potatoes should be. Some people like marshmallows and some don't, among other things. Everyone, luckily, in my family agrees my sweet potato casserole is really good. My favorite was last year. My brother in law tried it. He did not think he liked sweet potato casserole, always thought of it as mushy goop. Then he had mine and went back for seconds. Ha! That was fantastic. Mine comes with an almond crust, or I'm sorry, pecan crust, not almonds. And the crushed pecans and the brown sugar caramelize on top, along with the deliciousness of the sweet potatoes underneath, and it's baked, and it just comes out as this yummy, almost dessert-level sweet. I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of sugar in my sweet potatoes, but they taste wonderful, and it's such a treat for Thanksgiving, along with the pumpkin pie, And the delicious turkey. My wife makes this cranberry sauce that is just to die for. People were putting it on ice cream last year as a topping. My mouth is watering over here just thinking about Thanksgiving. I just, beyond that, love my family getting together. You know, if you've listened to this podcast that I like football, it's a football day not everyone on my mother's on my I sorry my wife's side loves the football as much so we have that on in the background more than we used to at my family's house growing up when it was blaring loud but we get to watch it put the subtitles on so that the volume's low and people can continue to talk and we all get together around the table say what we're thankful for, and enjoy delicious food. And that whole weekend ends up being a bunch of family time together. Some people might go out for Black Friday to do shopping. Others might just hang out. My father-in-law, who has passed away, my my wife's father, was such a good guy. And I'm glad I got to know him for a while. One of my favorite things was sometimes my wife and my mother-in-law would go out to do Black Friday shopping and my father-in-law would stay with us and my dad and I would just get to talk with him. He was a very learned man and we would just talk about history and religion and have great discussions and get to know each other. I just, I have such great memories of Thanksgiving and I look forward to making some more this year. How do you feel about Thanksgiving? Are are you fans? Is it your favorite? Are you more looking forward to the winter holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or do you prefer Fourth of July? Let me know in the comments, or feel free to like and subscribe to this podcast. I'd love to hear from you no matter what you think of this podcast, any of my previous podcasts, anything else you're seeing from me. I do hope I get a chance to talk to many of you, but no matter what, I wish all of you a very happy, very warm Thanksgiving, and I look forward to seeing many of you soon. That's it for the podcast today. I want to thank my sister, Megan, who through eight episodes has continued to make this thing better and better and been so patient with me as I submit my audio to her and let her clean it up. She's been spectacular and she's also doing a great job running our in-person workshops that we're doing right now. Megan is absolutely killing it. I want to thank everyone at UDEL Associates. That's Bruce, Janet, Timberly, Carolyn, and Joey, all of you for your support in this podcast and everything you're doing well. I'd also obviously like to thank especially in this season, my wife, Rebecca, who is so patient with me during everything going on. She is the best. And I couldn't do any of it without her. I wanted to be very thankful as we head into this thankful season. As I mentioned earlier, if you're, Wanting to learn more about me, you should know I have a book available. I co-authored it with my father. It's called Retire Happily Ever After. Feel free to reach out to us if you're interested in acquiring a copy of that book. I also have a YouTube ch- YouTube channel, and that's called Udell in a Nutshell. Actually, that is what the videos are called. I think the YouTube channel itself is just under me, Jeremy Udell. No matter what, I do hope... I get a chance to see all of you soon, but I will be back probably next week when I'll have more oodles for your noodle.